Welcome, listening audience, to this new Heart After God radio broadcast with Pastor Brad Abley. We are currently in our study of the book of Luke, and today we pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 17. The angel Gabriel appears to Zacharias to inform him that his wife Elizabeth will be with child in her old age. Zacharias questions Gabriel and how this can happen, and because of his doubt, the angel makes Zacharias mute for a while as a sign for the people. This has a lesson for us about how God wants us to put our faith in him regardless of how impossible it might seem. God is a God that transcends space-time and our known laws of nature. Let's ponder this as we pick up this story as told by the Gospel writer Luke. Now here's Brad. Well, praise the Lord, dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. And we are now, this is going to be part four in our brand new study and series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, and what I am calling the Know Your Faith series. That's what this is all about, friends, is that you would know your faith more deeply, that you would be more grateful for your faith, that you would be drawn closer to the Lord, that you will know His Word better, and that your life will be changed and transformed. These are some of the the, uh, purposes for the preaching of the gospel and for the teaching of, of his word and we depend upon the holy spirit to do this work. Now, if you have a bible, please turn with me to Luke chapter 1 and while you're turning there, let's join together in prayer. Our Father, we ask now that you would be glorified through the teaching and preaching of your word and we invite the holy spirit our teacher to lead us and to guide us into all of the truth so that all men and women would be drawn to faith in Jesus Christ. We commit this time to you now. We pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, uh, friends, last time I left off on Luke chapter 1, I finished uh, verse 16, and um, instead of going back to do more of a context, I'm just going to move right away into verse 17. I'd like to try to get through uh, to verse 23 by the end of this message. So let's see what happens. So Luke tells us, of course, he's writing to Theophilus. He tells us in verse 17, speaking of of uh, John the Baptist, and actually this is the angel Gabriel that is speaking to Zacharias, who is John the Baptist, who is going to be John the Baptist's uh, father. And uh, so the angel says to Zacharias in this temple experience, he says, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, that is the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for 
the Lord. And then in, um, in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him, verse 19, and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, verse 20, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. And sure enough, they were. Verse 21, the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, verse 22, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that they that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute or unable to speak. And when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. Let me keep going to verse 24 and 25. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he uh, looked upon me with, when he, um, yes, when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Most likely, um, she kept herself in seclusion for those five months because if she would have said she was pregnant, no one would have believed her anyway. But of course, they would believe her once they saw after five months that this woman was great with child. Not this woman, but Elizabeth. Wow, there's a lot there, my friends. Let's go back to verse 17 and uh, Gabriel's announcement that this child would grow up to be a revivalist, uh, that he would go as a forerunner before the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Now that tells us something about God and what he's looking for in families. He wants fathers to be good fathers affectionate fathers, courageous fathers, nurturing fathers, encouraging fathers, not beating children, not threatening them, not um, tearing them down, not telling them you're no good, you don't amount to anything, I wish you never would have been born. My friends, that's not the father heart of God. Jesus never did that to his disciples. The apostles never did that to the churches. But for many of you, you beat your wives and you beat your sons, you beat your daughters. You tell me where you can find that example in scripture. Tell me, tell me where you can find one example in scripture of, of a husband beating his wife or, or beating his children or uh, terrifying them or speaking down to them. Tell me where you can find that. In fact, 
Paul says in Colossians, fathers, do not exasperate your children. That word exasperate means to cause them to lose heart or to give up. What does that tell us? That tells us that fathers have a tremendous influence on their children and that the encouraging, the encouraging words of a father go deep, just like the discouraging words of a father go deep. Now, my friends, I'm certain that the Holy Spirit is convicting many people out there, and he is wanting to forgive you. He's wanting to change you and transform you. But you must humble yourself. You must get on your knees, and you must Ask your heavenly father who would never beat you and who would never tear you down, who would never terrify you, who would never discourage you, but always build you up. You repent of your sin and your hardness of heart before him and you ask him to forgive you of what you've done. And then you go to your wife and you do the same thing. You ask her to forgive you of what you've done. And then you go to every one of your children and you ask them to forgive you of what you've done. And you know what? It does. I don't care how many people give you a hard time uh, because of that, give you a bad time. It doesn't matter. You do what is right before God. That is it. Always do what is right before God. And, and then when people see how your marriage changes and how your wife blossoms and how your children do well, they will want to know what happened. And then you can tell them, this is what I used to be, but this is what I'm like now. So that tells us what we just read in verse 17 tells us, and it shows us how important reconciliation within the family is. And again, in Colossians 3.21, the way a father treats his son or daughter can harm that child greatly or it can build that child up greatly. And as men and fathers, our responsibility is to treat our children the way the father, our heavenly father, treats us by dignifying us and honoring us and encouraging us and forgiving us and providing for us and protecting us. And it goes on and on and on. Just read scripture and do what it says. <laughs> it, Paul says in, in Ephesians 5 verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us. You see, my friends, true love is a giving love. True love is a sacrificial love. True love is a serving love. True love is an unconditional love. That's what the Greek word agape means. You treat others according to what you read in scripture. That's the way you grow as a Christian is to be a doer of the word and not a hearer who deludes himself. And I'm saying to be a doer of the word in every area of your life. Yes, we fall short, but that is why God gives us the gift of repentance. And you ought to take advantage of that gift of repentance every single day. Remember Jesus said, uh, for one of the areas in the Lord's Prayer that we are to, to pray is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But just before that, what does he say? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, what does that tell us? That the 
Lord's Prayer is a pattern of prayer, not just a simple rote prayer that you pray in 30 seconds, but it's a pattern of prayer that is a daily pattern of prayer. And the Lord is brilliant. He knows what he's doing. He wants to make sure that we stay clean from sin and from bitterness towards others. And that's why we should take advantage of the gift of repentance that is available to us. And, and when we repent of our sin, quote 1 John 1, 9 and memorize this, and it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friend, as many times as you go to the Father and sincerely ask for forgiveness, if it's 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, 10,000 times, he is going to forgive you and to cleanse you from your uh, from your unrighteousness. So, what we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 17 is how important it is that, that when people come to faith in Jesus Christ, that their lives change and transform, especially in how we treat others. You know, there's a lot of hypocrit hypocritical Christians out there that look like they're very godly, but behind closed doors, they're very abusive to people. And that is ungodly. That just shows that you are not a godly man or woman like you think you are, but you are very ungodly. And But that can change even right now, my friend, if you will just ask the Lord to forgive you and to confess your sin that you just did not see how how evil you've been behaving. Well, he, uh, Luke goes on and he says that, uh, he said that, that uh, John will go before the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now that statement is significant because the Jews believe that God would send a messenger, a special messenger. You can read it in Isaiah uh, chapter 40 in uh, verses, I think it's four and five, that he would send a, a messenger before the day of the Lord and before the Messiah's coming to set up his kingdom. And this is exactly what happened. So John the Baptist being commissioned by the angel and being born to a godly father and mother was God's way of saying to the Jewish people, the Messiah is coming, get ready for him. And, and, and indeed, by the time that Jesus was born, there was a great expectation of the coming of the Messiah. But the Jewish people were deceived by their leaders into believing that the Messiah was going to be a military conquering hero rather than what Isaiah 53 teaches us, that he would come to bear our sins and give us eternal life. So like John, uh, I'm sorry, like Elijah, John faithfully, powerfully, boldly uh, preached and proclaimed the truth, and he did it in an uncompromising way. As I mentioned last week, he said... Speaking of Jesus, he must increase and I must 
decrease, especially when people said, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I am not. Uh, one is coming after me who was before me, and I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. So John's responsibility, John's focus was to be a preacher of repentance and get the people ready for the coming of the Messiah. And he did that and he did it successfully. And for that reason, God said through the angel Gabriel that he would be a, a great man of God. He would be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, when we come to verse 18, we might be very surprised to see that that Zacharias, instead of believing Gabriel, didn't believe him, that he hardened his heart. And he said, how will I know this for certain? He says, for I, that word is emphatic in Greek, I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, when you look at that verse on its face, you can't tell, you and I can't tell the tone with which Zacharias spoke. Now, when we read it, it could be that Zacharias had a legitimate question. And you think about it, how is it possible that a, a man and a woman past the childbearing years could possibly have a child? But think about this now with me. Many other women who are past childbearing age gave birth. And what's the, what's the one that is the most famous? It was Sarah, who was Sarai. And then when she was pregnant, God changed her name to Sarah. Actually, he did it before she gave birth to Isaac to declare to her prophetically that she would bear children. And she was 75 years old at the time, and, and Abraham was 100 years old. So there was precedent for God to be able to give a couple beyond the childbearing years the ability to conceive. So again, Zacharias, because he was a priest and knew the word of God well, should have known that. But for whatever reason, he was doubting. He was unbelieving. And it was the way that he spoke that caused the angel to react the way he did. We read that in verse 19. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Now think about this as well. Gabriel was appearing to Zacharias in the temple. He had an angelic visitation and Zacharias was speaking directly to him. And so the fact that he refused to believe was a serious offense. And, and even more so, the stakes were high because Zacharias was about to become the father or the forerunner of the Messiah. And consequently, this is a very serious sin that he is committed. And so Gabriel says um, that I stand in the presence of the Lord and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news, which Zacharias um, just turned away, if you will. He didn't value the good news. I mean, that's, that's major good news. And 
and to discipline him, the result is that he would be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things took place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Now, my friends, what do we learn from this? Here's something every time that I read this passage, it puts the fear of God in me. Because I know that I've been guilty of doubting him. And yet he knows in my heart that I yearn to please him, that I yearn to be a man of faith, that I yearn to trust him. And as a matter of fact, I am always quoting scripture to myself and to the Lord to enable me to trust him and to stand in faith, for example. And these are, these are many verses that I committed to memory 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. In fact, one of my passages is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, which says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, that is in everything you do, know him, and he will make your paths straight. What a promise. And the reality is, I don't know about you, but I'm always trying to figure things out. And I'm always asking God to show me this and show me that. And uh, and most of the time he does not. <laughs> Why? It's not that he's unwilling but it's that he wants to teach me to walk by faith and not by sight or emotion. He wants me to learn to let him to, to be out in front and to do what he's going to do uh, for me. But my responsibility is to trust him. Now, that's just one of dozens and dozens of scriptures that specifically relate just to faith where, where I've. I've allowed the Holy Spirit to teach me to believe, to be a man of faith. Now, I want to stop here and just pray because it, it's so important that we not move past this. It's so important that we, we learn this lesson to be men and women who, are, who will trust the Lord and to be bold in trusting him. So would you join me in prayer for that right now? Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, and we ask you to forgive us of every single time that we have doubted you, that we have uh, hardened our heart against you, that we've questioned you, that we've even responded in unbelief. We don't want to be like Zacharias in this situation, and we don't need an angel to come to us and tell us things. We have your word. That is, that is even more sure. And so we're asking that you would help us to be those men and women who are daily growing in faith and trusting you and, and getting the word of God in our hearts so that we can believe you and trust you no matter what the circumstances are and no matter how long we have to wait on you. We ask this according to your perfect will in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow. Well, my friends, let's move on. We're going to read. I didn't think we were going to get this far, but we're going to start now in verse 26. 
Uh, Luke tells us now in the sixth month, notice how precise he is because he said to Theophilus at the beginning of the gospel that he is has investigated everything carefully and he wants Theophilus to know the exact truth about the things that he has been taught. So Luke is is a very, very accurate writer, and he's he's very detailed. Again, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, or literally uh, rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. What, you know, this is such an ironic phrase because the the Lord that that Mary is going to give birth to, Jesus in his humanity, is also the Lord that is with her at that very moment. This is an extraordinary thing. But she was very perplexed, verse 29, at this statement, and you would be too if you were a virgin, because you've never heard, there's never been a virgin in the history of salvation history that was that was enabled to conceive. And so Mary already understood most likely that 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 Gabriel was was indicating to her that Isaiah 7 verse 14 was about to be fulfilled that a virgin would give birth to a son and he would uh, reign as David's descendant. Well, so Gabriel says, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was, that, that she's found this kind of favor with God. You know, it's amazing that back in those days, um, Jewish girls were married at a very young age, uh, some at the age of 12, some at the age of 13, maybe 14, maybe 15. So this young girl was, <laughs> she was just, amazed at what is being told her. Well, the angel said to her, verse 34, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He repeats that so that she can understand. And behold, verse 31, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. The Hebrew word is is Yeshua. That's where we get the word Joshua from, or it's a it's a form of of Yahweh, and it means salvation, because Jesus came to save people from their sins. Wow! Can you imagine what must have been going through uh, Mary's mind? And he, verse thirty two, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. My friends, this is about to be uh, one of the most important fulfillments of prophecy 
in the entire Bible. Again, it comes from Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, which I'm reading now and um, which I'm turning to now. Isaiah 7 verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, friend? Have you uh, been forgiven of your sin? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Do you know that the Bible teaches that only Jesus can forgive you of your sin? If you have not asked him to be your Lord and Savior, I want to urge you right now, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I have not lived my life for you, but I ask you now to forgive me of my sins and be the Lord and Savior of my life, and I will live for you, and I will serve you all the days of my life. God bless you, friends. Until next week. Thanks for joining us for today's broadcast. Our goal is to better equip you with the truth of God's Word so that you may be transformed into His likeness and live in a way that He originally intended for you. What a great encouragement that we have as Christians to know that we have a personal God that seeks after us, is patient with us, and desires to make us His sons and daughters. If you are in a difficult situation, hold on to this great truth. Lean on Him, trust in His ways. He will not disappoint you. Be sure to stay tuned to the same time and station for yet another Heart After God Bible teaching. Until next time, may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So long.